You're listening to the Plus Music Podcast with Brian and Nick, where we sit down with artists, founders, video game music composers, and discuss early ideas, challenging hurdles, and how the ever-changing music industry will evolve in the digital age. Today we're sitting down with record producer, musician, and industry executive Will Tenney. Will joins us from Los Angeles and talks to us about his life in the music industry as a musician, playing in his band Exit, starting his own label Sun Pop Music, and his current role at Crush Management where he oversees campaigns for Lord, Sia, Panic at the Disco, Green Day, and more. Here's more from Will now. Wow, thank, thank you for having me, guys. That, that is quite the introduction. I'm going to have to bring you guys around to the bars with me or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Just, just play the episode, start. <laughs> Listen to the episode. Um, yeah, exactly. Someone did a lot of research. Yeah, right? A little bit, a little bit here and there. So, so, Will, how did you get into this uh, crazy business of music? Man, I think uh, I've wanted to be in the music business for as long as I can remember. I think, um, you know, going back to as early as being five or six years old, I was just super intrigued with, uh, of course, making music like a lot of kids are at that age, you know, sort of enamored with being a rock star, but really curious about getting on the radio and getting records in stores and, um, putting artwork together and show posters and everything that goes along with being, uh, you know, in the record business or in a band at the time. And, uh, you know, from there is sort of like, you know, Pandora's box. I got on the one thing and then I got in the other and then it just, the door flew open. Mm -hmm. It's great. So what, what, what was actually your first step in the door? Was it being a musician yourself? Was it intern at a management company? What was actually your first, out of school, real kind of musical gig? Well, out of school, I think my first musical gig officially, once I left, um, you know, being an analyst at Goldman, I went to, I'd been in the, you know, in the record business for a long time, making records and touring. So I had a bunch of contacts and I went to a buddy of mine. I said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm coming to the record business for real, like trying to find somewhere to really start. Uh, you know, could you just give me a desk somewhere? And I think at the time this was with somebody at Atlantic and they're like, well, no, we don't just give desks out. You can't just come in. And I was like, really? Just how about a badge and a desk? I don't need to be paid. I'll work on whatever. Like, no, you really have to be an intern. So I was like, well, okay, fine. I'll be an intern. This would have been 2015 maybe. Um, And they said, well, we can't make you an intern because it's illegal for us to um, have free labor in uh, without giving college credit. So um, that Ooh. same day, I went back to Connecticut, where my parents are from, um, and I went to Norwalk Community College, and I had explained to them this conundrum that I was in. Um, I ended up purchasing a community college credit and getting an ID card, which was enough for Atlantic to then allow me to the internship program, uh, where I sat for five weeks i think before i had leveraged my other conversations into uh my full-time role at crush so that would have been my first um sort of corporate step uh, officially into the music business but i mean you know going back to being five or six years old i was trying to figure out how to get my hands on records and uh make tapes and sell them to my neighbors and 
playing piano, guitar, bass, drums, harmonica, anything that made noise. Mm -hmm. So let's let's go back to the Goldman Sachs. So how did, how did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> Oh God. Um, well, so I went to, it's kind of a long story, so stop me if I'm rambling, but um, so I went to Northeastern University, which is, um, it's, they have a, a traditional four-year undergrad program, but most people that go there do the five-year program because they have a big focus on work study. So the idea is that by the time you've graduated, you've done a year at least of real work. Like you were hired temporarily somewhere and you got paid, you know, somewhat of a legitimate salary. Um, and at this point, um, I was halfway through school. Uh, the band that I toured with for years had we decided it wasn't for us anymore. And um, I was sort of leaning more into college. Uh, the first work studies that I had done had been music related. I think I'd actually passed off touring as a work study at one point. And um, I was like, well, you know, I'm here. This is a great school. Um, I had actually, in addition to being a music industry major, uh, I had a traditional business minor. And I was like, well, I know a lot of people in the music business. I'm sure I'll be able to figure something out there whenever that time comes. But probably not vice versa in the world of traditional business. So I just, um, you know, I worked with uh, sort of like the career coaches at my school and uh, took on a little bit of a different course load to be a little bit more business and music um, level on each side, not so much music business. And um, I applied for a bunch of sort of financial services gigs, uh, really because they were the highest paying ones, if I'm being honest. Um, and uh, I was lucky enough to get an internship at Goldman in Boston, uh, where I worked for seven months. And uh, I really liked it. I loved the team. I loved uh, their focus on efficiency. Uh, I loved their sort of get shit done attitude. And uh, my team really supported me. I wasn't a finance guy by, uh, by any means, but they really um, they helped me and I, I wanted to learn. And uh, when I graduated, they offered me a job in New York. So I took it for a year and a half or so. Nice. And so, okay, so now you're at Crush. Um, let's get to... I don't know. You, you've been just, you sounds like you've been hustling, right? So that that's really the music business is it's just a bunch I mean, of, that hustling. is the gig. It's <laughs> like, you, you guys know, you guys know it's a lifetime. Hustle. <laughs> it's just the hustle until you're done and you go to a different business or you make enough money to stop working. Right. But that doesn't happen. Or you die. Or you die. <laughs> or you uh, die. <laughs> and so, all right, well, let, let's, let's zoom out and let's get a little practical. Um, for the listeners knowing what you know about the music business like you, you mentioned like when you were younger thinking about being a rock star that was a different time when like rock stars were they were like a different whole different kind of being you know where now sure there are those but they're like way more digital way more accessible um there's a lot more of them out there right like social media has given this us like this window into uh musicians and and their worlds and their day-to-day -day, unlike anything from before right like brian and i talk about a lot of the, the mystery that got lost in the music uh, business gone. as of mm -hmm. as a social media because you'd be like you know basically if you didn't get into a music magazine in the past those things that don't exist anymore either uh you weren't like on the radar you know 
yet. Mm -hmm. And it, there was only so many pages. So it was very, you know, there's a lot of, it's a different business now. But nowadays you're in it and you're seeing musicians come up from nothing or they come from somewhere. What are the ways that are working now that didn't work in the past? I'm, I don't know. I'm trying to think about how I could answer that question um, super directly. Sorry, there's a lot going on here that I didn't anticipate. I don't know if you're picking that up. Yeah, I hear it. Yeah, it looks like you're in, uh, you know, the Nantucket or something. And wow, nailed. You got it. First guess. Is it really? Um, yeah. Exactly. We uh, not to get off topic here. I'm actually uh, we're babysitting my my sister's newborn child we're getting off topic we can cut that out we're coming back to love that here. <laughs> this is what our fans want to know um, but uh yeah i think uh, like to your point it, it's i don't know if this is answering your question directly but it's it's a totally different time now and you know going back to the 90s sort of we were talking about earlier when i was fantasizing about being a rock star there were rock stars like those were things that existed nowadays um i guess people, uh, beings exist that probably think they are rock stars and maybe they are to some degree, but it's not to the same degree. It doesn't have the same magnitude. There are lots totally of agree. characters mm -hmm. now that have, uh, you know, what would be considered micro followings compared to the icons of the previous time, yep. because there's so much more out there. The way the media is disseminated, it's allowed for the market mm -hmm. to have rather than 10, you know, sort of iconic beings for the masses to consume there are thousands for micro communities to consider deity or whatever you you, you consider them to be um so i don't know if that answers your question directly but uh, the, the direct question so yeah I, I appreciate that so what i heard was the 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 stars of today is different than the stars of yesterday of the 90s right totally. so totally. but so in that sense what what works for these micro stars or these people that are able to carve out little um like let's say big followings that still nobody knows about right like there's full-on stars on youtube and unless you're in that ecosystem right you have no idea you don't know don't, about them because totally. they don't get out of those ecosystems yet you know like very few pop out into the other things whereas like before everybody was everywhere so how do you, let's just ask a direct question. So if you're if an artist were to come to you today and say, Hey, I'm trying to become, uh, I want to be a rock star. And you say, okay, well, what do you have? You need this, this, and this before you can even get in the door right now. Well, I think that there's a million answers to that question, but I, I think uh, is to be as straightforward as I, I possibly can without going on for like a, you know, a, an hour long dissertation. Um, I think that for those artists you're talking about, let's just say like the YouTube communities of the world. So you, you have a couple hundred thousand followers on YouTube, a huge fan base that can sustain you financially and allow you to be an artist. What those people are doing is they're just, they're super serving their communities. So, you know, uh, they might have, you know, everyone knows about the 100 or the 1000 true fans theory, right? They've got those and they're super serving those people. Got it. So th that idea of super serving, meaning 
they're doubling down on everything yeah. that those people need. They're getting on Twitch. They're doing shows yeah. for them. They're doing, they're making records. They might even be including people in their records, doing random yeah. stuff. So, so like, so now it's like, you know, you, the, the comparison would be like, you've got the Justin Bieber's of the world, however many there are, consider them true rock stars, in my opinion, like, you know, global phenomena that don't have to pay attention to every single person in their community versus, let's just say, a YouTube artist we're talking about, there's a couple hundred thousand followers. Uh, and yeah, to your point, they're trying very hard to know a lot about every single person in their community and engage those people so that they can continue to, to monetize their fan base, whether it be with Discord servers, Patreon clubs, you know, doing, mm-hmm. making probably more records than someone like Justin Bieber does. Yeah. We talk about that a lot. Would you say that going forward and it definitely a part of the last five years of going forward now, like Nick and I always use this term that you have to like get, make this new muscle. You need to have this kind of, um, I guess, social presence. It's more than just getting in your room and making a record and going on tour anymore. You kind of need that, um, you know, interaction with your fan base on a daily, weekly, monthly basis. Would you yeah. say that's a necessary fold now in being a rock star of tomorrow? I think it depends on the type of artist like and I don't want to speak for these teams and I these this doesn't reflect the uh the feelings of crush by any means uh but like I don't know that a Justin Bieber or a Drake has to do that um but you know we're talking about there being so many more acts that could be considered rock stars to their individual communities Mm -hmm. or sustainable acts you know those uh those people probably do so I think I think it depends on the artist um but i think what brian was trying to get at there was the muscle concept is this extra muscle it's like like when you used to be used to have to be good at writing music or good at performing music you didn't have to be good at writing but you needed to at least be a performer if that's what your role was absolutely right right and then and then you'd have to build a team and get on the road and do the thing but now it's expected of you to be able to be engaging on this Ford format where it's very 2D. Totally. You don't get the opportunity to smell the same, you know, you're not in the same room. So it's like a whole different kind of performance level. And so, yeah, there's that. And I think that the reality is, is like most artists are just having to go there. They have to figure that out a little bit. Um, no, Brian, you're totally right. And sorry, I, I misunderstood you earlier, but you're absolutely right. And I think that um, it's shaking artists out into a few different buckets, right? So you've got artists, mm-hmm. and, I mean, we keep talking about YouTube artists. I don't, I don't know why, just because those are some, but um, that are real or, or an Instagram artist that's extremely engaging on whatever the platform is, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and they know how to work their audience uh, really, you know, using something that has honestly nothing to do with music at all. They're just personable digitally and can create uh, and or have created like an audience. Um, and it's shaking artists out. Like maybe those, a lot of those artists aren't great performers or aren't great at writing music, but do. Um, and thus have fallen into that lane. And on, on the flip side, there are a lot of artists I find now who are just like incredible live performers um, 
probably would have had radio hits in the 90s or you know would have been festival openers in the 90s but now have are, don't quite so naturally have talent for the TikToks or uh, Instagram and um and not saying one is better than the other um usually it's yeah. combination of, of all of it that, that makes it work but um i find that it's shaking artists out into these buckets so well i want to first off we didn't give uh your role at crush or a crush just in general for those who don't know what crush is what is it yeah for sure so so crush um is a full service music company uh based in new york los angeles nashville and malibu uh that's primarily a management business but has in the music space, but has a number of other businesses, uh, whether it be, you know, we have a film business, a ventures business, um, uh, among other, other things that have, have come and gone, but uh, we're, most no, uh, we're most known for managing Lord, Sia, Green Day, Panic of the Disco, Train, Weezer, uh, among others. Got it. Okay. And so if I were to, if I were an artist and I walked in and I got my way into Crush somehow. And you're like, well, all right, this is kind of what we need for us to get interested in an artist. It sounds like you've been kind of describing that, which is built an audience. You have a platform somewhere. Um, there's something you to make bite good on music. <laughs> well, there's something to bite on to there and something to manage, right? It's a lot of a lot of artists are like, I need a manager. And it's like, well, what are you managing yet? You know, like there's right. nothing to manage yet. So, but the other side is if there's a lot of talent and good opportunity, the right connections can get you into places that are worth that most artists can't get in their own. So what, when it comes to that sort of space, how would you describe what, what level an artist needs to be to get involved in a company like Crush? Uh, so crush is a little bit unique and I don't want to speak too explicitly to like what the criteria may be just because I'm not really directly involved, uh, in, in that process. But what I will say is this is pretty common knowledge. Um, for a long time, we were largely considered a legacy shop. So, um, you know, we were mostly dealing with artists that bring in more than a million dollars a year, um, in commissions. So we're, we're talking big, you know seven, eight figure businesses for the artists. Um, that said, uh, we recently have expanded. We have a, you know, a division that focuses on artists uh, in the South coming out of National Texas. Um, we have sort of a left of center business called Crush Works that uh, focuses on artists that uh, are more in like the indie alternative space. Um, but for the most part, we're, uh, we're a unique, a unique management firm in that we don't really take a lot of developing artists, or at least we don't anymore. Uh, and I don't want to say we never will in the future. Like I said, I don't, um, I'm not directly involved in that part of the business, you know, acquiring artists. Um, but for the most part, it, there, that conversation wouldn't really be a thing. And to anyone who's, uh, that knows about Crush would pr probably know that um, we, we don't really have like a team that develops, you know, artists, let's just say, with less than a million or two million uh, listeners a month. Got it. Makes sense. Wow. So yeah, you know, but the, this is what I'm trying to get to, which is like folks understanding the music business and that there's there's just different levels of where people are. Like say in the venture capital world, there's seed investors and there's angels. Right. 
And then there's like only series B and above, right? And so those folks just don't even look at those. They don't, they don't even, they're just not wired that way. So it sounds like crush right now. Too early, too early to be in the right. business, which I'm sure you guys have look at artists or artists approach you that are just too early. Yeah. I mean, I like, I like, here's the thing, and I don't need to tell you guys this, but it's just for like the listeners. If you've ever tried to take on, manage and break an artist, then you know firsthand that it's, damn near impossible like if somebody told i mean you're, you're playing with lottery tickets if somebody told you that they've got a million dollars for you in cash in the next room all you have to do is take an artist and break them chances are you couldn't do it so um jonathan daniel who and bob McLean, who are the founders of the company i think very early on they realized what they were good at and um they just sort of scaled that, which is dealing with established businesses and, and making them bigger. Um, so, and, and that's why you see like, when you have artists that are developing more often than not, in my experience, you see like a very young and hungry manager who's willing to, you know, sl sleep in the van and not get paid and do anything and everything to break that artist. Uh, because that's really what it, you really need to, as, as Bob McLean says, you need to carry an artist on your back that's required until it's done and um you can't it's hard to scale that yeah what um so you're in the streaming side of stuff over at crush what's your so what's the world of streaming like these days what's the game what's how do you how do you hack this game because everybody you know, like a lot of artists have come to say, hey, have you heard of this? System? They can get me on playlists. It's only X amount of dollars a month. I'm like, dude. I, oh, I feel like, so bad for those people. Like, Don't get me started on this. Burn it. Like it, you would get more out of that. Just burn that mm -hmm. money. But because that'll get you shut down. Literally, it gets you kicked off of Spotify when you do those types of things, which is just a certainly quick certainly can. And I've seen it happen. I promise you that people for those listening. Um, yeah. Wow. But yeah. Yeah, uh, so uh, my, my fancy title on my business card is Head of Streaming Strategy and Promotion. Um, I mean, like you guys know, but for the listeners, like promotion in the history of the record business, really until the last five years, has sort of been synonymous with the radio business. If you're in promotion, you work in radio. That's sort of mm -hmm. what that meant. Um, but when I was coming out of school, or actually when I was kind of towards the tail end of being in school, I was like, man, and I had always had a, like been enamored with promo people, like reading Hitmen. And I loved hearing about promo guys in the nineties and what it, you know, doing anything and everything to, to get records played. Um, and I was like, man, I really think that this streaming thing is going to be like the next promo ecosystem. Um, and in some ways I was right. In a lot of ways I was probably wrong, but I tried to build a, a business that way. So uh, when I founded my company at the time, Sunpop, uh, a big label service that we were offering and getting hired for was streaming promotion. Um, because at that time, streaming was so new. Um, I don't even think the Spotify's of the world knew the power of their platform or their algorithm. And uh, we were literally breaking records on uh, UGC playlists uh, or third-party playlists. They were super powerful in aggregate. And um, it was a really fun time. And so uh, when I linked with Crush uh, around that time, uh, they were like, well, 
that could be where this is going, but like right now it's still very rooted in radio. So we're gonna have you sort of be like a radio streaming hybrid. And so that's what I did uh, for a little bit until you know it just became abundantly clear that that streaming was it. And not only did we need a full-time person doing streaming, we probably needed a team and a department. Well, yeah, multiple if, people. If you think about what happened to radios, it's you know let's let's just say maybe maybe Clear Channel owns most of it. Like they pretty much pre-programmed most of the play. You know, it's T today it's already. Yeah, today yeah. now. I mean, so, radio is more is harder than it has ever been uh, because sure. of the consolidation of all the media chains. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're not going to the stations, unless they have like a local or whatever, they have some stuff, but even the ones here in San Diego, we had a couple pretty cool, long-standing um, radio stations, and they they're just not the they same. Just go as they away. Used to be. Yeah, you no, know, they're not. Oh the my same gosh! I mean, and and talk about uh, the, uh, in my opinion, the death of a, just a beautiful time in the record business. I mean, if you think twenty years ago or longer at this point to the San Diego radio market, I mean, would there be a Blink One Eighty Two if there wasn't? Uh, you, you, like you know what I mean? Guy like, championing it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. A local guy championing like out of Poway or, and, or, or someone giving something a shot on, on K rock, you know, I mean, like, mm -hmm. and we were having a conversation earlier, like how many careers do you think Lisa Warden is responsible for? Um, and it's, I'm sure the list is longer than we very know. Long. So, mm -hmm. Anyways. I mean, yeah, in my opinion, just the, the death of a, of a very beautiful time, but, um, on to the next, I hope. Yeah. What's uh? So you're looking at so you're you're deep into streaming. I think everybody the, the people know very the power deep of streaming. streaming. Too deep. Are you are you looking at anything else? Are you thinking? So you were looking down the road and you thought, okay, streaming is probably the thing. What do you think is next for music? Um, beyond streaming. Well, so I, uh, to toot my own horn, I was incredibly early on streaming. And I think that's probably why uh, I, I have the, the career that I do now. I don't know if that was luck or 20 years worth of observing and putting it into in, use and good timing. But uh, on the flip side of that, um, to sort of criticize myself, I was in classic record business fashion, too slow on what the next thing was. So I had, uh, I mean, we're still doing great. Um, Streaming is still extremely relevant. I would say 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18 were all huge um, years for streaming and particularly any project that I was working on. But thereafter, we saw a, a massive shift in the way that uh, people consume music. And that was um, sort of in uh, very broad terms and a very broad umbrella like um, digital syncs, right? So like, if you think about I'm talking about TikTok, the using a, a piece of music uh, and syncing it with a piece of media that's not necessarily um, a TV or a movie or a commercial like it was in the old yeah. world. And mm -hmm. I mean, as we know, that blew the door wide open on the way that people consume music. And, uh, you know, 2019, 2018, some of 2020 reminded me a lot in the business of, uh, kind of the wild west that was happening when streaming first happened and seeing the business scramble to figure it out and the people that got through the door became massive stars and set sort of like the first wave and everyone tried to follow um i think the window of it being crazy was smaller in my opinion than when streaming came and then even smaller than that 
more recently was like sort of the NFT boom, which we saw also, which is a crazy oh, wow. way yeah. people were um, consuming music. So uh, part of me wonders as we go forward, if the, um, the phenomena will be sort of like micro bubbles. Uh, I, I don't know, but I've sort of, yeah. if using those three as an example, I've seen yeah, that. Uh, that, that's an interesting concept. The, um, I think that you, you have like, it's not quite Moore's law, but like, you know, the, you know, Moore's law is like, it's like the processing power doubles itself over and over and over again. It gets faster. It's a computer based right. thing. Something like that. I, I might, the computer person might, might just like, <laughs> roll, check. Sounds right. but pretty sure that's, that's what it is. At least the Brian's numbers. Googling that. And um, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. Google that, Brian. We need a we need like a person in the office. Fact checker. Yeah. Um, anyways, that's there's a little bit of that with the internet because information moves so quickly, right? So right. somebody sees if an opportunity is made and that catches fire very quickly and that information spreads really fast. So that's why things get so big so quick. And then, mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is. So you just explained that in TikTok's world where like before TikTok, you know, if you were around music and tech, a lot of people would be like, no way, that'll never work. First of all, why do people care? Second, you're never going to get the rights. And there's already Instagram and there's Facebook. Why do we need a third one? Right. So there's always going to be people saying no, no, no. And then it just happens because it was the right time to happen. And for TikTok. They did the, the thing that they had that other social media companies didn't have, which is the whole Chinese market, the whole mm -hmm. Chinese, which is like, so true. A lot, a lot of people, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people that were, you know, making a big difference into like, holy shit, I could go put a post on TikTok and it gets played 30,000 times. Like you put it on Instagram and it was like struggling to get whatever that was the difference in the two. And, and then if you talk about algorithms, TikTok did a really good job of, of optimizing the discovery of all of that versus what Instagram ended up doing, which is like demoting unless you paid. Right. right? It like, right. it was totally. the complete opposite um, from a, from a, from that point of view of what was, what would get a consumer to want to participate. Um, and then you've got digital experiences that'll, that'll, you know, maybe another conversation we can, we can talk about it then, but going back to some of the stuff you're in bands and look, you know, Brian was saying that you, you participated in some songwriting. Yeah. yeah. Actually, actually just, just the... one, uh, one thought, if you guys don't mind on that topic before mm -hmm. we just move away, I just thought it, it was an important uh, sort of tip for anyone listening. Um, as we talk about all these fads, um, and sort of blips in the history of the music business. One thing that I've really found to be true that I think uh, would have been helpful for me to know uh, growing up is that as big as all of these levers, if you will, seem, none of them work big for very long. So what that basically means is um, the first class to get through using whatever the lever is, streaming, radio, TikTok, NFT, whatever, it's very hard and usually nobody ever exceeds whatever that was. Mm. Um, so if you stumble upon a lever uh, that's working, I urge you to, to try to utilize it quickly because it probably will not work to that degree for very long. Now that doesn't mean that it's gonna go away. Like, you know, we had CDs in most stores until 2000, 
10, right? And iTunes came out in 2000. Um, and we still obviously have terrestrial radio and whatnot. But um, I find that when you come across a lever, it's uh, usually good to test it out immediately. Yeah, I think that you're talking about early adoption, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. trying shit too. And there's a bit of what you just got to go, hey, there's a new thing. And as an artist, you know, if you're late to the game on the bigger platforms, you probably want to maintain your presence there, but you definitely want to be because Instagram, the people that got in early on Instagram were already Vine stars. Like there were stars on, on Vine, which died and then went over there. And then, you know, everything is, is kind of has those like precursors to the thing that ends up working at scale. Um, well, so back to your, to your songwriting stuff uh do you still write music you know i i do um i don't talk about it a lot but i i just can't get away from it uh for better for worse so i actually um not a lot of people know this i i play with a i call it a punk band but it's probably better called like an alternative band called exit um and yeah i I write music and i play uh in in this group i think exit was the original name of, of you too that's why we're so dope (laughs) i didn't i didn't know that that's interesting it's not like that yeah um yeah that's cool so we're in you're living in new york then so you play yeah so we you know we don't uh we've actually only played one time uh i do live in new york uh we're in the new england area we only played uh one show it was opening for machine gun kelly uh at the webster in new york city so um Yeah, you know, like the band um, is sort of made up of a bunch of like what I call like leftovers from like the New England touring alternative pop punk rock scene. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I sort of was talking to a couple of friends of mine after years of being out of the game, we're just like, man, that was those were the best years. Like we should do that. Mm-hmm. Again. And then we're just kind of like, well, why don't you come over and like. I have like some resources now. I know a lot of people in the business, like, you know, we just like, we made a record and all of a sudden, like people started listening to it. And, you know, we, we put out a record, you know, a couple months ago, it debuted at number 35 on the iTunes alternative chart. Um, and I, I think, somebody in the band knows how to do streaming, right? So that's yes, all. I was gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of yeah, fun to kind yeah. of like try to do it for real but also not for real at the same time yeah the the, yeah. the, the, the no pressure but doing something cool that you're proud of mm-hmm. yeah, that's definitely yeah, that's yeah. just fun i'm with you man i mean it's one of those things that as you grow old you just play it differently like like golf i would imagine you know you know 400 <laughs> yard drives you're just out there having a good time because it feels good like i oh, yeah, there's definitely not a day that goes by that i don't play a little piano or guitar and not because I'm oh, trying yeah. to pen the next born the run. It's just because it feels good. <laughs> or maybe I do. Yeah. It's yeah, when you don't man. try to, is when you actually do it. But and, I feel and, you, you on know, that. That's really cool. You know what's so cool? The coolest thing is like, so this whole like alternative being cool thing again was very is very recent in like the last mm-hmm. year, let's call it. So for the three years that we were a band prior when alternative wasn't cool all these people that we had grown up sort of idolizing were sort of idle. I mean, I don't want to say idle and I don't want to like attack anybody, but like, you know, let's just 
like the good Charlottes of the world definitely weren't like touring arenas. So we were able to work with so many of these people that we grew up loving just because like, you know, a couple of us are in the business now and we're making music that they really dug. So, you know, we were on, you know, we were on Less Than Jake's podcast the other day. We opened for MGK. Uh, we put out a record today with this guy called Kellen Quinn, who's in the band Sleeping With Sirens. Um, and just like everyone sort of from that early 2000s pop punk alternative radio time has been really years. cool. To, it's always a 20 year cycle. That's right. Oh, that's right. so great. Because if you that. think about it, like the 90s were a bunch of bands that were kind of like redos of Zeppelin and like the big kind of 70s rock with a new. That's so true. You know, and then, yeah, it makes sense. Makes sense. So, well, that's cool. Wow, that is so crazy, though, how circular it goes. And if you even think about it. Generation. Like even like the 2005 eras, even where I come from and like Killers and things like that was yeah. very kind of gang of four. Like that totally. early 80s, the totally. braveries. All, it, 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 Venus, I think you just completely oh stumbled gosh. across the never heard that? cycle. Really? The I, 20 uh, years. I don't yeah. think I have. No, yeah. I, I'd heard that. <laughs> it's a, well, you got to think about it. It's a generational thing. So you've got kind of, you've got kids. It's like just, it's when the kids grow up and it's, they'd rediscover in theory it. it makes sense but kind of thinking about it now how dead on it is like 1993 yeah. was completely bands that sounded like led zeppelin too totally it really totally. is yeah. nirvana it's wild that's crazy. That's so and, crazy and i feel like i feel like i'm being punked honestly because like it's the craziest thing like you know i grew up like not in like a super bad way but like you know i grew up basically like always hearing that the music that I liked just like straight up was wasn't old. cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, like the, the the girls in high school were definitely not trying to date like the the warp tour goer, at least not like the, the cool ones, right? <laughs> so like I and, and it's okay, like after like years and years of like hearing this, it just becomes like gospel, you know. Like when I got into the record business, emo was like a swear word. Like if you were working with emo bands, you were so irrelevant. It's like not even funny. I was actually out at, um, I was out seeing like some old touring buddies. We were at like a show a couple of weeks ago and I was talking to some, like one of their managers and he was telling me like, you know, we brought all time low to, I, I don't want to like name the stations, but like to a, a major rock station a couple of years ago. And they were like, don't even like, don't even play this for me. Like, I just, I have nowhere for all time low. I cannot play all time low. You know why I can't play all time low. Fast forward a few years. I mean, all, all time, the fact that all time low has uh, two radio hits right now is mind blowing. So it speaks volumes. That's insane. Hey, so that's good. Like whatever happened to the guy, the only thing I really think comes to mind when I think of emo is the kid who sang about his girlfriend's hair all over the place. It's in the tub, it's on my carpet, your hair, it's everywhere. I don't know if I know you guys don't remember that. Like bright I remember eyes because or something? Was it Bright no, Eyes? I, I That's like emo to me. That's, I'll think of it in a second. Bright Eyes is so emo. Those but I remember guys. somebody explaining that to me. Like, oh, it's basically, you know, very emotional rock. And there's this, it's a massive anthem about 
a guy. Yeah, we're, we're, it, 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 here, here's what you do: get that song and put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody's listening right now, going, "It's this guy." You know. <laughs> anyway, I'm interested to know what it is. Yeah, well, we'll I'm gonna find it. It's fun, fun. Uh, you know, going back twenty year cycles and um, talking about the music biz, and I could do that all day long. Kind of reminiscing. But um, so what, what's next for you, man? Besides besides what you're doing at Crush, do you have anything else fun or looking forward to? Is there any concerts coming up that you're gonna go to? Gosh, tons of stuff, man. I'm trying to think about. So I guess the the the, the most the most exciting thing is I recently got engaged. So I'm uh, nice. congrats. Yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, doing that whole, you know, wedding planning thing, which is just uh, finished it four weeks oh, ago, my friend. There you Welcome go. Let's to, go. <laughs> I'll have to pick it's exciting time, man. Give, give me some tips. For sure. Um, yeah. but th- so that's the, that's the main thing. Uh, but uh, you know what? Crush just really um, continuing to, to kind of build out what we do and I, in my opinion continue to be uh, the best in the business uh you know in every facet uh we recently signed miley cyrus so i'm super excited to dive in with her and uh nice. you know, figure out how to continue to make her a, a cultural juggernaut um mm-hmm. like i said we just put out a record today with exit um so that's really exciting it's called over dramatic with kellen quinn from sleeping with sirens and um i'm just looking forward to uh watching all those things hopefully get bigger over the next 12 months. Awesome. Well, we'll yeah, we'll put some links and stuff for um, exit. If you want to put a song from exit at the end of the show, we'd love to play one. If you want to um, play us out with one, but um, I wanted to say, it's gotta be a very tough band name to Google. You know what? Exit. Originally (laughs) it was called, uh, it had a different name for that reason. Exactly. I was the business guy. I was like, guys, straight up. Can't be this. Can't be it. Uh, and the very first record we put out, to your point, got maps to all sorts of other artists. There's actually, there's a, there's an Eastern artist called Exit, but as, um, as sort of the fan base has been developed, or I mean, I say fan base, like it's a million people, but you know, there's a, a, a significant enough audience now to where, um, you know, the, the people that want to find it can find it. But yes, Googling mm-hmm. is very hard. Nice. I wouldn't Google Exit. Well, <laughs> right. Well, uh, we'll we'll put the we'll put a link in the show notes, and it'll make it a lot easier for everybody. But Will, good talking with you, man. Appreciate Guys, thank you so much for having me. Pleasure it was an honor to be here, and uh, hope to see you soon. Sounds good.